please welcome your neighbor to church with a smile. If you've not seen that neighbor for a while, tell your neighbor, I'm happy to see you again. Ask your neighbor, how are you doing? Be intentional. How are you doing? Happy New Month, church. It's July. And... Uh, You're clapping, please do better. All right, so I think I, I have decided to be wishing people happy birthday in advance. So in case I miss your birthday in the month, don't be offended. So just remember that I've said to you happy birthday in advance. So to all our July celebrants, happy birthday in advance. Amen. And if you've had your birthday yesterday, happy birthday in arrears. Belated, but not less important. Amen. All right, so this month, we're starting a new series, um, themed, or themed, or tagged, or titled, Understanding Our Identity in Christ. Understanding Our Identity, Our Identity in Christ. And particularly this morning, we'll be looking at embrace your true worth and purpose. Can you say to your neighbor, embrace your true worth and purpose? I cannot hear you. We can do better than that. All right, in a world obsessed with external validation and fleeting identities, there is a deep longing within each of us to find a true worth and purpose. We are bombarded with societal pressures, societal, we are bombarded with societal pressures, social media comparison. Let me stop to say, the Bible says that they that compare themselves among themselves, they are not what? Wise. We have social media comparison and cultural expectations that shape our perception of self, or put it this way, that shaped our perception of self-worth. Today, I invite you as we embark on a journey of discovering your identity in Christ, a journey that leads to freedom, fulfillment, and a lasting sense of worth. We're going to explore the worst definition of identity, the consequences of seeking external validation, and reflect on our own sources of identity as we uncover the transformative power of embracing who we are in Christ. Let me say to all of you this morning that you have a price tag on you. You know, when you go to a, a shop or a store, how many of us have been to a, an A-class boutique, boutique? Yeah, boutique. How many of us have been to, you've been to place, a couple of places, I'm sure you've tried to buy items from the store before. If you haven't, if you have, can I see, can I, can I get a witness? Or you've been to a place where you have a price tag on it. Hmm? Uh, the, the price tag, I remember I did a teaching in the first year of the church a long time ago, a title price tag. I'm not sure. Also, we've been around, we'll still remember. When you pick an item in the store, 
and there is a tag on it. There is a price on that tag. And that price defines the worth or the value of that item. Am I correct? And uh, the truth is for all of us as Christians and believers, we have a price tag on us. And amazingly, it's a tag that nobody can pay for. The tag that you have on you is uh, the blood of Jesus. And so the Bible says, For I bear on my body the mark of Christ. Therefore, let no one troubles me. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 and 13. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being what? Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. First Peter 2, 3 and 9. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, and verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into what? Into his marvelous light. You are a priest that is also a king. I'm talking about embracing your self-worth and purpose. Let us pray. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we've gathered in your name, we've come to seek your face and to learn from your word. Teach us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us see you. Let your light shine on our hearts. When we are leaving this auditorium, let us live a better person. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for anyone that is sick in this auditorium right now. Let your healing flow in their body. In the name of Jesus. Let there be healing of the mind. Let there be healing of the body. Let there be breakthrough and deliverance. Let our eyes of understanding be enlightened. Thank you, glorious Father. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. We live in a world where identity is often determined by external factors. And sadly, in this generation, we are bombarded almost every minute, every second with uh, curated images and impressions. Uh, intentional, uh, creative videos. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, not founded on uh, what is actually solid, but this we perceive to be uh, uh, a reason why we should be under pressure as a number of people are being under pressure just because of what they see and what is sold to them. Uh, 
we are bombarded by or we perfectly created lives peer pressure pushes us to conform we have cultural expectations that has dictated our words we have been given a wrong definition of what success is a number of people have erroneously believed that success is defined by having luxury cars wearing designer watches and shoes going by with sophisticated phones do not get me wrong church i am not against all of those things as a matter of fact they are good but what i'm saying to us this morning is that our self-worth is not should not i beg your pardon be founded on the things that are, that we see that we see on things that we see uh, people have defined success by number of houses I was just talking to a very dear daughter last night. Of course, every person in here, you are there, very dear to my heart. And uh, we're just talking. And, and I said, you know what? People just have a way of sizing you up just by um, uh, how you dress. Okay? They looked at you. They looked at your status. And they, they looked at your hairstyle. Okay, that's human hair. That should work like 450K. And they looked at your shirt. Uh, that looks like uh, a Charles Twilight or the Vesa or mention those designers. Said, don't you think? They looked at your, your wristwatch. They look at your belt. They look at your shoe. Uh, sometimes people can peep into your living room if you are very careless about what you post. You know, they can peep into your living room. Say, ah, that's like 65-inch TV. Okay, and that looks like a successful man there. And sometimes. Uh, what you eat like this is how we started you have a bowl of egusi a bowl of egusi soup with orishirishi inside and you know and you this is how we started the next day us how it is going and then eh, how it ended and they counted the number of uh, Chicken femur. <laughs> so, ah, this guy just finished like 10. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? And eh, quite a number of folks are just under undue pressure because of how they perceive people. A wrong definition of success, a wrong definition of, uh, uh, of exploit. Just because someone can do exploit with food does not necessarily mean uh, such fellow is doing great exploit as it is defined by God. Many feel lost, inadequate, and empty. Right? Am I speaking the familiar? Just because of expectations, societal expectations, and wrong definition of what success is. Have you come to realize that the day you wear the most expensive clothes, you might not even get a compliment? Have you had that experience before? The day you are wearing the most expensive cloth or the most expensive shoe, that day might just be the day nobody will even look at you. Sometimes it might even be the day that you meet some form of 
funny individuals that will make you upset. You tell them, don't you see what I'm wearing? I'm expensive here. You don't get it? Some people feel down just because they see no one to tell them, I know that shoe. That, that looks like a Prada. Don't you realize that I had to save a lot of money, perhaps borrow money to buy this dress? And then you talk me down just like that. Do you know who I am? When you see people get angry when they say you don't know who I am, they are just seeking attention sometimes. They just want you to know that. Can't you see I'm wearing a... Because they've seen no one to tell them, oh, you look expensive. So they are under pressure. Under pressure. And they feel empty. And if you realize sometimes you just wear something that you don't even care about as the day you look the most beautiful and compliments just start to come in. And you just feel good. I have said all of this to let you know that um, you don't have to feel empty and inadequate because of perception and uh, we just must understand that what defines us as people, as a people, is not based on the fleeting, uh, uh, fleeting possessions and material things of the world. Uh, let us focus on how God defines you and I. The truth of the world should be the foundation for the definition of our wealth. Not what people perceive you to be. A number of people are down just because you keep thinking about your uh, uh, condition of birth and you, you fail to realize how much more you've achieved in life. I, 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 was, you know, I, I was telling uh, um, our daughter that called in last night that you know what if only one could just imagine where you started from and where you are now you might have you might just realize that you've done much more work and much more greater things than people who have you know a i mean in defining success and greatness and exploit it surely need just be fair to look at where we all started from uh, my brother here will say to me in Yoruba that if uh, uh, I'm very careful not to mention wealthy people's name but if you just see how far God has taken you looking at the little that you started with and where you are right now you might just realize that God has helped you. I remember I, one day I was taking my dad when he had surgery. God blessed his memory. And uh, I was taking him for a walk after the surgery because he had to learn how to walk again. And I remember that morning and we were just talking and he stopped. And he said, you know, said, God has really helped me. I said, yeah, I know. He said, I know. I said, God has helped you. He said, yeah, you don't understand. He said, my dad was just a cocoa farmer. He had no money. He said, as a matter of fact, my dad, my granddad now, 
will have to borrow money. He was a small cocoa farmer in their village. And uh, at the beginning of the cocoa season, he will have to borrow money ahead in faith, believing God that that he was going to have a good yield that year, just so he could pay my father's school fees. You can imagine. And you know, uh, uh, harvest is subject to quite a number of things. Whether my go bad that year. I say, but look at me today. I've been to the university. I said, God has helped me. I said, God has helped me. He said, look at you, look at your younger ones. And I, I, I remember his face and I and I see a man who, who is grateful, who, was, who had gratitude as a character. That See how far you have helped me. Perhaps I desire to do better than this, but I am not ungrateful for how much you have helped me to achieve in my journey in life. I put that there. Understanding the world's definition of identity. In this fast-paced digital age, the world bombards us with unrealistic standards and false ideals. Social media paints a picture of perfection. I realize that people put their best pictures out there. People deliberately go to uh, a, a car, sh- an automobile store, or automobile store, a warehouse to do a test drive of a brand new car. And come on, some people are under pressure. You are under pressure. People go to houses that is not theirs and take pictures. People model for fashion designers and you are under pressure. That see that clothes, almost see that cloth. Somebody is wearing what is not his or hers and you are in your house under pressure and you are saying, God, when will my own come? God, when? Unrealistic lifestyle. People go to people's kitchen to take pictures and you are, you are, just, you are just sad. And you look at your own small space. And you forgot so soon when you had when you were cooking with firewood. Somebody told me recently about how a lady borrowed a wristwatch. I think a radio or something. I never returned it. <laughs> and uh, Somebody must have thought that uh, that was hers. I- I'm just saying to you that people paint false, false things. You don't have to be under pressure because of that. Um, leading us to compare our lives with carefully crafted highlight reels. Peer pressure pushes us to conform, often causes us to compromise our true selves. Cultural expectations define success in terms of external achievement and material 
possessions. But the problem with seeking validation from these sources is that it leaves us feeling empty, restless, and disconnected from our true selves. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17 tells us, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, let me say something about the, the, the word world in this context. The Greek meaning of this refers to it, it wasn't when you say world the, the definition of world for a lot of people is <laughs> am I correct but the Greek meaning is not about the people but rather to the philosophy and the mentality of the world system when you read Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 we read Eve saw that the trees of the knowledge of good and evil was good that's the loss of the flesh pleasant to the eyes that's the lust of the eyes and will make one wise the pride of life you see from the time from time immemorial this has been the devil's strategy it, it, it is never going to change he doesn't know any other thing apart from speaking these three things to the mind and when jesus was to be tempted like pastor Funker said in his mind he painted these three things the 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 loss of the flesh the loss of the eyes and the pride of life and there is also a subtle if you look at it very carefully why do people why are they very swift to put, to highlight reels, images uh, that are not real out there? Why? There is an underlining reason for all of that. There is a, a subtle pride in that. Why must you put, or why do you desire to put the best of yourself out there all the time? Maybe we should just really ask to what end? I'm not saying don't do that, but check the intention and check the motive. And so, for me personally, when I see all those things, the first thing that comes to my mind is this, uh, just to help my mind, they are not, I, I, I can't be under pressure because of all those things. I, that I don't do that, that doesn't, I mean, looks like I'm attacking social media. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to help the mind of my beloved. We cannot find our true worth and identity from all those things. Not from cars, not from clothes, not from shoes, not from bags. Yeah, not from houses. People define their worth by the number of likes and, and, and comments. When you put something on social media, you quickly check how many likes do I have. 
because it looks like you feel fulfilled when you see some good number of likes. I'm just trying to help you to say, don't be under pressure. And I'm going to set an example of unsung heroes, perhaps you've never heard about them before, and they're in the Bible. In Luke chapter 2, verse 21, we have an we have a heroine and a hero in Luke chapter 21. Their names were Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Let me quickly go there. Luke 2, 21. Let's start from verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by what? By the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord. So he came by the Spirit to the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, or peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a word, a sword which will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36. Now there was one, Hannah, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel. That is the name, I thought it was about Theophoric names. That is, you know, an indication of God, of Yahweh in that name, of the tribe of Hashem. She was, a, she was of a great age and I lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day and coming in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem they don't have uh, they might not have the kind of following that David had during his days you know David after slaying Goliath thousands of women and children and men followed him he passed he wasn't like the Gideon he wasn't like the Barak he wasn't like like Hebron but uh, the Bible told us about their greatness. Uh, a version said uh, that Simeon was as the spirit of holiness. The Bible told us about Anna that she was, she was a prophetess. And God revealed, they were, God had told them right from their younger days that there will be a man there will be a savior 
they must have been looking forward to the coming of Savior. What do you think this woman will be praying for? Don't forget she, was, she had no husband. She lived with her husband just for seven years. But she had no child. All her days she was in the temple, fasting and praying day and night. What do you think she'll be praying for? For the coming of the Messiah. Let my eyes see. As Simeon said, for my, my, for my eyes have seen the world. What are the consequences of seeking external validation? When we rely on external validation for our sense of what, we become trapped in a never-ending cycle of seeking approval. When all that you're looking for is, is, a, is a people's validation to, 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 to validate your true essence, you will always be caught in that cycle. And the moment those validations are not coming, you become depressed. Nobody likes me. Nobody even is even seeing what I'm doing. I'm doing so much, but nobody is even acknowledging it. Because you are seeking validation from people might choose to withdraw. You so, people can like and unlike tomorrow. Why don't you seek your validation for the one who died on the cross for you? Who loved you still? Nothing can, what can, what can ever separate us from the love of Christ? He said, no, no, no height, no debt, nothing. There is, there is nothing you and I have done to have deserved. It was a position that God took by himself for himself towards you and I. He loves us still. We may receive temporary satisfaction from likes, compliments, accomplishments, but it quickly fades away, leaving us hungry for more. People quickly uh, tread the path of uh, irrelevance when you are looking for worth from just a fellow human being. Let me tell you how the Bible defines human being. He said, we are just, our days are short, very short. The pursuit of external evaluation becomes an insatiable desire, draining your joy and robbing us of genuine contentment. When we find ourselves defined by others' opinions and constantly striving to meet unrealistic standards, only to realize that we are still unfulfilled. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, verse 25, Fear of man proves to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. A, a number of people you are seeking validation from the flattery of men you want to be flattered at all times to make you relevant you define your essence by the flattery of men let me tell you the danger in that God forbid that people will flatter and flatter you and flatter you to an untimely grave uh, I was a hero yeah, I think it was Herod, right? 
he spoke and people said oh the God has spoken because he had oratory prowess he could speak well and he gave no glory to God he forgot himself very quickly that every good and perfect gift from, come from the Lord at that instance my God ate him alive they wanted to make Gideon king he said don't worry kingship is not for my family I know I've done well let me just enjoy my life flattery of men we must reflect on our own sources of identity we must look introspectively into our real foundation reflect on your source of identity what external influences shape how you perceive yourself? It's a question. Have you fallen into the trap of seeking validation from social media, from conforming to peer pressure, or measuring your worth by worldly achievements? We must realize that we need we must recognize that there is a need for a deeper and more meaningful understanding of self. Uh, a transcended life draws essence, worth, and purpose from what is genuine and real and sustaining and enduring. And I'm talking about the blood. Jesus. Don't forget that uh, what we see right now swiftly passes. Fashion comes and goes. Right? Nothing is actually permanent, but the word of the Lord and his promises for us lives forever. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful and I know that full well now I need you to consider how your body functions how many of us here know that your eyes can can distinguish 8 million different colors Do you know that your ears can hear between 300,000 and 400,000 different tones every day? Your body produces 1 billion red blood cells. The truth is that you are incredible. The one that created you is wonderful and awesome. There is nothing in, the world, in this world that can make us that way. Should we not, is it not now wise for us to look up to one who created us fearfully and wonderfully and draw our relevance from him. Have you seen a man that can do this? Science can try that. Find your essence in him and not human validation of you. 
you must live above societal expectations and human validation to remain joyful. You must live above this consistently, intentionally. You must be deliberate about it. You cannot derive your joy just because pastor said, I am looking good. What if I, I stop saying that tomorrow? I told you earlier that women can press like button today and next tomorrow they will change their mind and say, Kini God, show Nikoloa Layeni. And then you, you saw, you see 10 likes today. Next tomorrow you say, ah, five likes. What happened? People don't like me again. Embracing your identity in Christ. The good news is that our true identity lies not in the shifting sands of society, but in the unchanging character of our loving Heavenly Father. In Christ, we find a solid foundation on which we build our sense of self-worth and purpose. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them by embracing our identity in Christ. We stand apart from the empty pursuit of this world and expose the shallow nature of external validation. When we do that, we become beacons of light, we become hope for others, we become a shining example, and indeed a Christ ambassador. I need you to remember. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone at all, the new creation has come. The hold has gone. The new is just here. If you are in Christ, you are in new. And you know what? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His messages are new every morning. You are new every day. The you of yesterday is not the you of today. You are unfolding. So when somebody looks at you today and say, oh, tell that fellow, don't worry, I am still coming. Because his mercies, they are new every day. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. How can God who gave us Jesus will not with every other thing freely give unto us? That's who you are. That's, that's how you should define who you are. That is where you should draw your essence from. Not on this shifting culture of the world, not on this ideology that is found on, on nothing. Nothing, absolutely nothing. How do you then apply this to your life? Reflect. A number of people have not been able to find their God's gifting in their lives because they are drawing, they want validation of that gift from other people. Meanwhile, the people you are seeking validation from, they are still, try, they are still trying to sort it out. They're still trying to find a way themselves. Take time. Reflect on how you've defined your identity. 
Examine areas of your life where you've sought validation from the world. Ask God to reveal any false beliefs or unhealthy patterns that have influenced your, your perception of self. A number of people, it is because of the things that they've said to you right from, you know, uh, when you were young that you could barely say, tell the difference between right and left. And you've allowed that to form a, a pattern and an, an ideology in your in your heart, and so you 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 think that uh, because you had strug struggles in your primary school time trying to understand mathematics, and somebody have said to you, you you can never understand arithmetics, and that formed your ideology. And then anytime you see anything science-related, you run away from it. Parents, I want to ask and plea with you that you are very careful what you say, the things you say to your children. Words are very powerful. Words are very powerful. A number of adults today have lost, they don't really know who they are. There is this unfulfillment in their hearts. Some, some parents have said to their child when they were young, you want to be a, a pilot. Did you see anybody in our family in that line? My grandfather was a farmer. I'm a farmer. You too, you'll be a farmer. We don't have money in this family. How can you be a medical? Don't you know it is money? Embrace God's truth. Meditate on, on scriptures that remind you of your identity in Christ. Write on verses that speak to your heart and remind you of God's unconditional love and acceptance. Allow his truth to permeate your thoughts and reshape your understanding of who you are. You need to say this to yourself over and over and over again. Pastor Funke said, if you do not know the written word, how can you? If you do not know the written word, how can you pull down thoughts and stronghold that has held you bound for many years? I need you to remember that the only offensive weapon for a believer is the Word. It's the Word. It's the Word of God. And the more of it you know, the more weapon you have in your arsenal. Number three, seek community. Surround yourself with like-minded believers who can encourage and support you on your journey of discovering your identity in Christ. Engage in meaningful conversations that focuses on God's truth and share testimonies of how he has transformed lives. Surround yourself with a community of people who have the same values that you have. Alright? Don't, don't surround yourself with people that will constantly talk. Some, what I used to do with that fellow who after having a telephone conversation with that person, that person leaves you, you are worse than when you started. Why, why? Why don't you love yourself and just move? Each time you talk to that fellow and you hang up the phone, you are sad. 
and you ask yourself, but what am I doing with my life? Why do you want to surround yourself? See, it's run away from bad energy. It's not going to help you grow. And you are saying, but he's been my friend for many years, my childhood friend, excuse me. You got to move on. Your life is important. Some of you, not until you show that stuff to your friend. That see, the reason why a number of people have not started a business that should be thriving right now is primarily because each time you show that business plan to that trusted fellow, that fellow talks you down and makes you believe that you cannot do it. Stop, run away from people that will pull you down. And it's subtle. Remember, it's subtle. You have to be sensitive to know when the devil is speaking through that fellow. The reason why you've not been able to forge ahead with your academic school, possibly be because you're seeking validation from someone. Should I do it? What do you think? I say, yeah, I think it's okay. But don't you think you should be... Are you sure you are ready? Seek community. Be around people that will charge you, to, that will encourage you. Oh, come on, that's good. When are you going to start? Have accountability partners. People that will encourage you on that journey. That will ask you, how far? That book that you said you would write last year, have you written, where, what is going on? Have you, have you spoken to the publisher? Which chapter are you now? How can I help you? And number four, embrace your gifts. Recognize and embrace the unique gift and talent that God has given you. Use them to bring glory to his name and serve others. You see, in serving others, value returns to you. When you serve others with your gifts, your ability to market, your ability to sell, your ability to identify needs in people's life and provide a solution for that, resources comes back to you. You see, making money is also difficult. Just identify a need in people's life. If you have a gift that can provide a solution to that need, when you provide that solution, resources flows, flow back to you. But you have to do it excellently anyway. Don't leave your gift in the raw form. How many of us, of course, we know that a raw material has a less value compared to when it is refined. A case study of Nigerian crude oil. Okay. So what I'm saying is this. Don't leave your gift and talent at the raw stage. R-A-W. It will command a less value. But when you get better at it, you improve at it, you command more value and serve others with that. When you operate in alignment with God's given purpose, you will experience a deep sense of fulfillment and joy.
I know sometimes you desire that, oh, I, I want to be as famous as this fellow that we, you can't remember people that are, you know, very famous. And uh, it's a good desire, it's a good thing. But that should not rob you uh, of your own influence. Uh, the real definition of success is really is in, is in, the, is in impacting lives. Show me uh, someone that has impacted lives. Show me people whose testimony of them is about influencing and making people's life better. And I will tell you that as a successful man, not necessarily in the uh, amount of money, uh, resources, cars, houses, and all of that. There are people who have so much, but there is no one that can really point to them that their life has been impactful to them. As we conclude this morning, our true identity is found in Christ alone. We need to disconnect from the we need to disconnect from the world shallow standards and reconnect with our Creator. In Him we can discover a profound sense of worth and purpose. Release external validation and lean into the truth of God's word. Embrace the unique person of God. Embrace the unique person God created you to be. And I want you to know that God truly and sincerely loves you. Bear in mind that His faithfulness towards you is forevermore. That song says, No power of hell, no scheme of mine can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or he calls me home. Find your essence, find your worth, find your validation in him who died on the cross, in him who rose. In him who promised us the Holy Spirit and delivered on that promise. Find your validation in him who says, I'm going to prepare a home for you. And when you are done here on earth, you will be with me. Find your essence in him who formed you. In him who created the bones in your body. Who loves you still, even while we were yet sinners? Let's bow here to pray. Everlasting Father, King of Glory, we thank you this morning for reminding us again that we cannot lean on the fleeting philosophies of life to draw our essence, but we should lean on you and you alone that is stable, solid, sustaining, and enduring. Thank you for your word. Let your word grow in our hearts. Let your word bear fruit in our, in our hearts. And let our lives become better for it. In Jesus' unfailing name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.